It's the week of July 22nd, and this is MASHCAST number 95. Those buttons mash cast. I'm Jarrett and I'm here with Nick Zonkevich. Hey, how's everybody doing? Yes, and this is mash cast number 95, and we have no idea where Mikey is. <laughs> <laughs> is he dead this time? He was dead the other time. Is he dead now? I don't know. He might just be dead to the world because he's so busy working, but who knows? Uh, that's, that's a terrible way to be. But you know, we got to keep soldiering on. This one's for Mikey. This one's, yeah. for- <laughs> this one's for Mikey. Let me pour some out for him. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, well, uh, we actually don't even have all that much to talk about, but we're going to get straight into it anyway. Um, <laughs> I think we, we only have like three, like three news topics this week. Uh, but Nick, what have you been playing? What have I been playing? Um, let's see, I've been playing uh, XCOM. I'm I'm completely addicted to that game. I mentioned it last week, and that game is is relentless and brutal, and I love it. And I, I kind of hate it, but I love it. And it's it's I don't know. I, I I'll admit I'm a bit of a wuss because there's the Iron Man mode, and I didn't do the Iron Man mode, and and I did get into one fight where I've got a, a guy who I was really hoping to get to Corporal, and he didn't make it, and I did re- just shut off the system at that point. Um, so. Really? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I felt bad about it afterwards, but I don't know. I've I, I, I've I've been kind of well, I, I'm not cheating, but my strategy has kind of been get people to corporal and then bench them because they can't die if I'm not putting them in fights, and they can't really level up at that point because they're they're maxed out. But the problem is though that the fights keep getting harder, but my troops aren't getting stronger because I keep having to throw scrubs in there. So there's yeah. always like, the one random. There's always the one random scrub in every fight whose job is literally you're the cannon fodder. <laughs> like you, you have no stats. You have the lowest amount of health possible. I try to build him up with armor and, and and gear, but it's still not enough. And he's always the first person to die. And it's it's not fun. And then every so often, one of the other people I've been leveling regularly, one of the, occasionally some of the scrubs do make it for a while. Um, then they they get to a higher level and then they die, and it's a little more painful, but. Um, no, the, the game is, is it's 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 very I want to say mercenary and it's it's uh it, it's it's very uh it's very it's very harsh it's just it's very unforgiving it's and and it's a, it's a nice challenge and I'm only playing on normal mode I mean I can't even imagine playing on some of the other difficulties there is some there was one uh, there was one mission I went on and it said this is a very difficult mission. 
And so I threw my guys out there, and I'm like, all of a sudden, like some of these little scrub aliens, uh, the thin men, show up across the way. And I'm like, okay, these are some scrubs. I can take these guys out pretty easy. So I line all my guys up for their shots and everything. And then out of nowhere, a bunch of mutons show up, and they're a lot tougher aliens. Like, and it was the, the, the system set up an ambush for me. I'm like, son of a bitch, I can see why that was very difficult. But it's one of those things where it's like, as a tactical game, and I guess maybe that's the point, is that you should be thinking like of of tactically being aware of what you don't know and what could be coming at you. But it's like, no, as a tactical game, like I saw a target, I lined up to take him out, and then like the board completely changed on me. And did I think that was a little unfair? Yes. But did I roll with it? Yes. And did, did somebody die that I was pissed about? Yes. <laughs> but, but no, it's it's... It's one of those ga- it's one of those games that I'm playing where it, it slaps me in the face and it hurts, but I have to, I keep going back for more, and so it's good. Uh, in regards to your benching your higher players, personally, I think you just need to man up and play better so that they don't die when you put them on the field. Well, you know, actually, I did do that. There was one mission where after I I was like, okay, I need to start using these guys, and yeah, they came out there, and the mission was way easier. But yeah, that completely did change the level of difficulty because. They are much, yeah. When you replace like a scrub with you know like a maxed out character, yeah, you're gonna get different results. Obviously. So yeah, so it's hey, it's gonna man it. up sometimes, Nick. Jesus. Yeah, some, yeah but no, nah, I, I already lo- I already lost one one person. I, I don't want to lose any more. Well, you know, I'm happy that you're just playing other games besides WoW. To be honest with you, this I like. Well, like I didn't I did not. You know what it is? Because I hadn't played like I love Final Fantasy Tactics. I hadn't played that in so long. This came out of nowhere, and it just. It it just it just hit me right in the heart. It 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 ambushed my heart with a muton. Yeah. What else have you been playing? <laughs> uh, what else have I been playing? Uh, can I mention the one game? Uh it's embargoed. So just we'll we'll, we'll talk about it next week. Talk about it next week. There's a review coming next week. There's a review coming or Sunday to be exact. Very strange embargo, but it's whatever. You know. Maybe there's no review coming then. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. no. But uh, have you been playing anything else? Or? Uh, no. Uh, I still have The Sims 3 and I still have Saints Row to get back to, but XCOM. XCOM has been, been uh, monopolizing my time. Okay. Uh, let's see. I have started playing Saints Row the 3rd again. Not that I haven't played it for that long, but uh, I've just been busy with some other stuff, which I'm, I guess I'll talk about in a minute. But I'm very close to the end of that game. Um, and I'm loving it. I'm I'm very... I'm actually ready for the game to end. It's not one of those situations where I'm not... Like, when I beat Sleeping Dogs, I was not ready for that game to end. I'm ready for Saints Row to end. Uh, not that it's it's a, it's, it's a problem, but I'm like, okay, I've kind of had enough. It's, it's a good game, and the uh, ending will be good right about now. So uh, I just got to the part where I, uh, I beat Kill Bane... Uh, in the wrestling match, one thing I found out: um, the uh, the wrestler Angel Angel De La Muerte, I think his name yes. is. Yeah, Angel voiced of by, Death. Yeah, voiced by Hulk Hogan. Yep. Oh, I love I love the cast for that game. I I I was looking that up because after I played through the beginning, I was like, why Why does Johnny Gat sound like Daniel Day Kim? Because Johnny Gat is fucking Daniel Day Kim. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and I was just looking over the list of people who, who are in that game on IMDb, and I was like, this, like, how did, like, oh yeah, no, they're, they, they, I mean, freaking, I mean, freaking the, 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 the main, the main guy is Troy Baker. I'm like, I'm playing fucking Booker again. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. 
Well, that's the thing. The um, the angel always sounded weird to me. Like it's like his voice does not match his body at all. And at first, like you know, the way he was talking, I was like, he just has a really, really deep voice. I wonder if he's like a transvestite or something. <laughs> like the way he, the voice sounds. He, he does wear feather boas. Yeah, like the like the way the, the voice sounded. But then he said something. I forget exactly what he said. I'm like, I was like, that sounds like Hulk Hogan. And then like, I, I was playing some more, and then he says like, yeah, he said. Then so he said something. He said something like, you know, Angel Del Muerte is reborn. But he said it like it's Hulk Hogan. I'm like, oh my god, I think it's Hulk Hogan. So I went and wicked it. I'm like, yo, that is Hulk Hogan. And then of course, he actually does like the Hulk Hogan, you know, thing where he does like the ear thing, nice. <laughs> nice. the ring. I'm like, yo, like I can't believe it's the Hulk, man. I just want to say the best part of that was for for the people listening at home. You did the the Hulk Hogan ear thing as you described it. <laughs> you you can't not. Say it and do it. You have to do the. You have to do them both. Yeah, because I don't know what you call it. It's like the whole Hulk Hogan ear thing. Like you just, you know what that is, you know. And I was like all excited and shit when when I found out. Oh my god, it's actually Hulk Hogan. Um, and I was actually surprised by Burt Reynolds. I was surprised with Burt Reynolds. Wasn't he in uh, GTA Three? GTA Three, Burt. No, no. Um, the, the third GTA Three, uh, San Andreas. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I never beat San Andreas. I wasn't a big San Andreas fan. But actually, it's funny because now we have another Saints Row coming this year and GTA. And I'm pretty sure GTA will outsell Saints Row, but which is actually going to be the better game of the two. Uh, I'm, we, we could probably do a Versus series on that. You know, we, haven't, we haven't done one of those in a really long time. <laughs> really long time. Um, but yeah, besides Saints Row, which I've been having a blast... Uh, and almost done with. I have been playing a preview of a game called Horizon, which I meant to write the preview last week, but I've been so engulfed in the game that I haven't been writing the preview. Actually, true story, I think it was Tuesday night. Was it Tuesday night? Or was it Wednesday night? No, sorry, it was Wednesday night. Um, I, uh, I was trying to order Chinese food because I was hungry. And it took me almost three hours to order Chinese food because I kept playing Horizon. It's a turn-based game. It's a turn-based 4X strategy game. And so basically you, you do some actions and then you do your turn and you see how it resulted, how much money did you make, uh, you know, how far did your ships go. It's a, it's a space game. And so I just kept taking turns, kept taking turns. I'm like, okay, after this turn, I'm going to order my food. And you take a turn, and it comes back up. Oh, this race declares war. And you're like, man, fuck them. And then you go into, <laughs> you know, then you go into, you know, starting to make battles and stuff like that. But it's actually really interesting. It's a preview. Well, actually, sorry, it's not a preview. It's an early access game. So uh, right now, you only have access to one race, which is the humans. Uh, and you start in the Milky Way galaxy, one of the first cal- one of the first planets you colonize is Mars. Uh, actually, it starts off with a, with a probe, an alien probe stumbling into your galaxy and actually running into one of your satellites by Pluto. And you get this message. And, you know, your your uh, your scientists analyze the probe and they're able to gain technologies to become interstellar and start traveling the galaxy. And I thought, you know, I thought when I ran into this race again that owned the probe, because they were really nice in the message, dude, they were, so, they were dicks when I first met them. Like, why are you actually, every alien race you run into are dicks. They're all dicks. And that's one of, that's one of the things I really don't uh I really don't understand 
about the game yet is the, is the diplomacy. Because a lot of the aliens are dicks when you meet them. Just right off the bat. Uh, second of all, like some alien races, they I don't even talk to and they like me. Other alien races I don't talk to and they don't like me. They eventually just declare war on me. I haven't said a single fucking word to these guys. You know? Every, all the alien races are mad that I'm expanding. Apparently. And I'm like, why are you expanding? Like, you can't expand in our space. I'm like, dude, I'm not expanding in your space. I'm all the way over here. You're just mad because I'm outgrowing you, bitch. Like, you know. <laughs> you know, you know like, <laughs> but that's the thing. It's, it's. I don't understand that part of diplomacy. Like, right now, I have a race that I'm at war with. And that's another thing. When they go to war, as long as you don't go into their sectors, nothing happens. It's like a standoff. And the thing is, their sectors aren't... There's only one race that had, like, a really large sector. And I was with war with, at war with them for a little bit. But eventually they were like, ah, we don't want to be at war anymore, so let's be friends, and we became friends. But um, the uh, this one race, it's funny. I went to war with this race not because I want to, but one of my allies, they said, hey, let's let's we, we're enemies with these guys, let's go to war. I'm like, fine. So I moved all of my warships, right? I moved my warships into the sector of space, and I go to attack the uh, I go to attack. The, uh, the the race that we're at war with, and I tell the other race that I'm actually supposed to be helping out. I say, "Hey, attack this colony." They're like, "Oh no, we can't do that." And I get creamed. My my fleet gets wiped. Like that, I didn't lose everything, but I lost a nice chunk of my fleet. So now I have revenge planned. <laughs> what I'm going to do? Like right now, I I I am avoiding that sector. Actually, I'm at war with two races i'm avoiding their sectors i'm expanding to rich mineral colonies so i can get money and get, as it goes and gets in some places where i can uh, build ships so i'm building a new fleet uh because actually the the race that i went that i'm supposed to be helping my allies have the second largest fleet in the galaxy or in the universe so because they have the second largest fleet in the universe i can't just attack them so what I'm going to do, I'm building a larger fleet than they are with more powerful weapons. And I'm actually almost done with this plan. I'm going to take all of my ships to their capital world. And then when I'm, when I'm, when I'm orbiting their capital world as an ally, I'm going to declare war on them and blow them, blow them the fuck up. That's the plan. Good plan. Completely annihilate these guys for making a fool of me with this other race. And then after I destroy their capital world, you know, I'm going to destroy all of the other worlds of their own and wipe them off the face of the universe. That's that's pretty much what I'm going to do with these guys. After I write the preview, that's what I'm going to be working on. <laughs> <laughs> Wiping the bar sigs off the fucking face of the universe. Because they caused me to lose some ships early in the game. That's how, that's how into this game I've been. <laughs> okay, that I have come up with this this major, major plan while I'm expanding to kill this alien race because they were dicks and I die. I lost some men because of them. So, but it, it is interesting. Oh, they do need to work on quite a few things. One is explaining what things do, you know, how do you make money? What is using up your resources? You know, stuff like that. So it's a good game. Um, if you're into Forex strategy games, I think it's worth it. Um, if you're not, even if you're not, I'm actually not all that into Forex strategy games. It's actually a very good starting point. It's a, even for a preview, it's a good starting point. Like Endless Space was so complex that I could not even 
write about endless space. Okay, I could not write about endless space because that's how complex endless space was. Now I actually want to give endless space another try, but I'm gonna have to start all over again. <laughs> There's no way I could go back to where I was in endless space because I was in a bad place. I expanded my colonies too fast. Earth was in an uproar. Everything's on fucking fire. It was bad. And if an alien race came to kill me, they just they'd wipe humanity off the face of the universe. That, I think that's that's one of the more punishing aspects of games. And I mean, I've even noticed this to a degree with XCOM, is that you know as you're learning the game, there's a lot of decisions that you make early on. That I mean, it's not kind. It's not the same kind of decisions like you know, like oh, who who will it live or who will it die, but just some general, you know, as far as like the original outlay of your you know, your, what, what ultimately winds up becoming your, your build and your strategy, like, you don't entirely know what you're doing at the time. And so, like, from, for XCOM, like, I didn't really focus too much on the satellites, and that proved to be a mistake because the satellites become kind of huge later in the game. And so, yeah, so it's, it's, it's the same, you know, it's the same kind of thing, like, those, you know, those 4X strategy games where if you, you know, like, if you, you know, because you don't understand the full ramifications of how you're building out your 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 empire, your galaxy, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, like, yeah, you get to a point in the game where once you finally understand what you're doing and you realize everything I've done to this point has been terribly wrong, and then you're kind of faced with a crisis: do I like play this out, or do I just chalk all of that time spent up to learning and then start fresh and, and do it right? Right. Yeah. And that's the thing, because like, especially at first, when I first started deploying my ships, I made. That's another thing. You could make different types of ships. And the ships I was making were mainly for exploration. That's what they were. They were mainly for exploration. And, you know, they would have some fighting capabilities, but if they came across, like, a fleet, or, <laughs> you know, like, like I, spent, I sent one uh, fleet of explorers into a system, and, like, the people who were there did not like that shit. <laughs> they wiped them out. I'm like, no, Columbus, no. That's what I called the fleet. But anyway, <laughs> It's funny actually too because the uh, you know when I'm when I'm in my you know my early stages and I'm like oh I'm gonna explore space I got I've like, named them stuff like Columbus Cortez you know Kennedy stuff like that and then like when I went to war I started naming like my ships like Void Ripper and Hell Slayer <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying like <laughs> all this stuff because I was like pissed at, like what, what, you want to go to war with me do you know who I am do you know who I am like yeah it was, like, it was bad it was it was bad. <laughs> you know, you know. Fr frankly, though, sen sending exploratory ships with names like Columbus or Cortez, I'm not surprised that the that the natives that are being imposed upon might really <laughs> not find that too welcoming. Yeah, yeah, you know, I don't blame Columbus. Cortez is a different story. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, but yeah, it's it's a good game, and because of it, I think I'm going to try out more for X strategy games. Uh, and it's only, like I said, it's only it's an early access, so there's still a lot that they can do with it, for sure. So, but uh, yeah, now that we're we're done with that, let's get into our topics. Like I said we only have three, uh, but actually let's um, let's talk about Microsoft's announcement first. Another policy reversal from Microsoft. Uh, this one on their uh, self-publishing. That was one of the that was one of the controversial. Uh, announcements they made. However, like from the consumer point of view, it didn't make that big of a splash. In the games media, it made a pretty big splash. And in the uh, on the developer side, of course, made a big splash. A lot of developers having a lot to say about that policy. Any developer specifically saying that you know they are not 
uh, you know, Microsoft isn't welcoming welcoming them. And now there is a uh, a different story. Um, now Microsoft is saying they will have a system in place so that indie developers can self-publish. Uh, they'll have a different certification method. Um, also, I don't think the certification pricing will be completely dropped, but at least be different for indie devs. And while all that that's good and all, I'm still thinking, like, you had an independent system before. It was called Xbox Live Indie Games, and we see how that turned out. You know, that turned out, that turned into a bunch of back massages. <laughs> you know, um, the difference between you, Microsoft and Sony still at this point is while Sony did allow a lot of indie games, they still had a lot of quality control going on with those indie games. They weren't just letting the floodgates open. Xbox Live indie games was different because that was peer controlled. Like if you, as long as you get the, the, the games past your peers, like it was voted on, um, it was voted on by other like XNA developers and stuff like that. As long as you can get them to approve it, and to be honest with you, the only thing they really looked for was bugs. As long as it wasn't buggy, they let you pass it through, and that's how we ended up with the games we did. Not to mention the system was um pretty flat. Like I think at first your games had to be under a hundred megabytes from the, the game section, and so you could, you know you can understand the type of games over there. Even though I mean let's be honest, there were uh, quite a few good games that came from the indie game section. They had those uh, Xbox you know, indie bundles uh, that the community put together, at least tried to. They tried to, like, they did it like three times, I think. And it's just hard because you can't, you can't get a lockdown on a date for an indie game on Xbox Live Indie Games. Uh, so, I mean, Microsoft, they really just kind of need to take a page from Sony here. You know, look at, the, the, make sure there's a quality control process in their indie games, but then don't allow the developers a lot of friction coming through. And still a difference, which I don't know if Microsoft is actually going to follow this note, but Sony will actively help any developers publish on their systems. And Sony has a, a fund, an indie pub fund, to get indie games on their systems. Is Microsoft, is Microsoft going to match that? I personally don't think so, but they may surprise me. I didn't think they were going to reverse this policy. But they did. But they might just be doing it because they need to at this point. They might just be doing it because that's their new policy is to reverse all their policies. <laughs> that is true. The Xbox 180 is is in full effect. <laughs> so, full effect. But this yeah, isn't... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, you can go. I, I have a question. You can wait. I was just going to say, this isn't one of those policies I think is going to really turn around people who weren't looking to buy an uh, Xbox One before. Over time, if the policy is actually good or if the system they put in place is good... Over time, I think there's a chance that because of the type of games they have, it'll draw more people to the Xbox One. But this isn't one of those things that's going to be like, oh, I guess Microsoft has really changed their way. Let, let me think about buying an Xbox One. But go ahead. What, what was your point, Nick? Um, well, it wasn't a point. It was more of a question. Um, because you talk about Xbox Live Indie Games, and um, it's a Daniel Steger, uh, who uh, was, is a Xbox Live Indie Game developer, did Baby Maker Extreme 2 and Mount Your Friends. Uh, his his comment is that Microsoft has had problems and blunders with XB, XBLIG, but they are still the only console manufacturer who even had something like XBLIG to have problems with. Which, if you look at it, which if you take his content, his, his quote at face value, it almost implies that Sony and Nintendo didn't have any kind of indie framework to work with, which doesn't seem to be true. 
So is it just that like they didn't have a nice little name for it or an acronym that you can kind no, of pronounce? No, he's absolutely right. Both Nintendo and Sony did not have a system like Xbox Live Indie Games. And the, the, the honest truth is, Baby Maker Pro would have never made it onto the PSN, on the PSN or to the, uh, you know, uh, the Nintendo network now because of the type of game it is. Like, it's just Baby Maker Pro. Now it's your friends. Baby Maker Extreme 2. Yeah, Baby Maker Extreme 2. Um, you know, mount your friends. Like, that's what that's what quality control is for. They want serious indie games. They just don't want stupid shit, you know, on their <laughs> console. So are you saying in a way that his opinion should really have no weight because his games should not, aren't really valid? You know what? I'm not going to call his games not games because they are games. But at the same time, like, you, you need to meet a certain standard with video games. Um, like, I, I do know that there's, like, uh, like uh, there are developers. I forget what the what the developer's name was, but they made a game where there was one controller. It was, it was a game for four people with one controller, and you put the controller down, and in front, uh, like in front of the television, right? And everybody takes like ten steps back, and it tells you the the, the game tells you what you need to do on the controller, and the first person who can perform that action wins that round it's called bike by any any means necessary or something like that basically your job was to do that function first by any means necessary and it was that type of game and i i understand that or even like the um the game like we saw at pax joust you know that type of game but that's not the type of games that well microsoft is looking for those types of games sony is looking for those types of games and nintendo is looking for those types of games they're looking for you know what you would call more of a traditional video game I, I kind of want to disagree on Nintendo because I I, I want to say, and I'm, I may be completely wrong here, but I want to say I, th- I think that by any means necessary, didn't that spawn the uh, the spin the bottle game that's coming out for the Wii U? Uh, I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. even know what you're I talking about. I have to about. check on that. But there, no, there, there's like a spin the bottle game for the Wii U and it's got a bunch of animated characters, but I believe the premise is you take a Wii U controller and you spin it and then the gameplay goes from there. And it's not quite as adult as it would sound because I don't think there's any actual kissing or, or closets involved, but it's still, it's, it's, it's an unusual premise, I suppose would be the way of phrasing it. Yeah, well, that's, is that an indie game coming out? I believe so. Let me, let me check that. I think it's well. Nintendo's also trying to make a push for self-publishing as well, which you know you may be right. Like you know, that's the thing. Like, and not not to mention, it was also about the presentation of that game. You know, when you have any game that looks like it was made in Microsoft Paint, that's not something that's <laughs> going to be on PSN. But that'll that'll help get you under the hundred megabytes. Well, yeah, and that you know that could be a thing too. They 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 just needed to stay underneath that hundred megabyte you know limit. You know. I could just be speaking all wrong here. I haven't developed a single game. He's at least made two. <laughs> you know? So who knows? But from what I can understand, hit, those two games would have never made it on PSN or the Nintendo Network because of the quality and how they looked, you know? Um, now, who, who knows? Like, he may have something else that he's working on that may be of the same quality. But to be honest with you, if you have a game that can meet the quality to, to get on PSN, or Nintendo Network, would you want to release on Xbox Live Indie Games? Like I said, a lot of stuff, a lot of crap went through Xbox Live Indie Games because of the peer review process. Microsoft had no quality control there. 
None. And so a lot of garbage went through. You need to have that quality control, or people won't even go to that section. Nobody went to the Xbox Live Indie sections. You know why? Because they, when they went there, they saw a bunch of games that looked like crap. I thought nobody went there because they couldn't find it in the menus. That was later on. I'm talking about when it was visible. Nobody went there. When it was visible, nobody went there because it was a lot of games. It was a lot of games look like crap when you first get into it. You actually have to, you have to search deep for the diamonds in the rough. You know, that's the thing. Like I'm all about indie games, but I am not gonna lie and be like they're all art because they're not. You know, that's the thing. Like this, like some some a lot of bad games made it through. What you're gonna do? But uh, yeah, like, I don't. I hope Microsoft does not just do that same thing because the Xbox Live Indie Game section, um, while it did have some some good games, I really don't think it did all. It, it was, it did more harm than good. <laughs> Let's just I'll put it like that. Well, it seems that the basic problem that they're gonna run into though is that any Xbox can be used as a dev kit. Yeah, And so at this point, they're opening up access to development to anybody who can afford an Xbox One. Right. And so it, 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 when you have the bar to entry set so low, I mean, it's, it's great because it, it allows more people to get in and more ideas to be developed. But the problem is it'll, it allows more people to get in and more ideas to be, be developed. And so that right there, I mean, we even saw the same thing with Steam Greenlight where – Originally, there was no requirement on, on getting a game submitted to Greenlight, and there was a ton of crap that was getting put in there. Enough crap that Steam actually had to say, no, we need to, you know, like, if you're going to submit a game, it's going to cost you $100. And that's not because they want to make money off it. It's because they needed some kind of, they needed some way to actually weed out people that were just submitting shit because they could submit shit. Right. And so I think it's one of those things where, you know, I mean, there's still, you know, you have to be willing to pay that $500 to buy the Xbox One in this case. But it is it is a situation where just by virtue of lowering the bar of entry, you are then going to get more. You know, you're low, you you know to lower the bar of entry is to lower sort of the the, the standards of quality. That is very true. Um, but you know what? Even if they had something like Xbox Live Indie Games, that's not so bad as long as they have another indie offering or they they're willing to work with indies to bring them to their official marketplace. You know. If a bunch of people want to throw a bunch of games into the Xbox Live Indie games, that's one thing. You know, I, I think they should be allowed to, um, and don't restrict them so much. To, to be honest with you, but um, yeah, I mean, they they need to work closer with it. They need to work with, with Indies the way Sony is. Sorry, they need to work with Indies the way Sony is if they want to be taken seriously by the indie by the indie developers. You know, they they caught a lot of flack, even with developers they did work with, like Phil Fish, um, uh, the guys, uh, Meat Boy, Meat Boy, Team Meat, you know, uh, <laughs> Edward, I, I forget what his last name, Edward something, um, slap me because I wanted to say Cullen, but the, um, yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, that's the name that pops in my fucking head, I don't know why, well, I know why, god damn it, but the, um, yeah, it's just they, they they were not known for working nice with developers. I mean, what it took Fez almost a year to get that patch they needed out after Microsoft it, finally decided to work with them. It took them a year to get that out. Yeah, and a lot of complaining to the media. Yeah, I mean, exactly. if, if if there's one thing that, and in a way, you can almost look at that as sort of the precursor to all the decisions that Microsoft has come to reverse in the last two months. 
but yeah, they've they've apparently been very very susceptible to harsh criticism from from the from the media. Yeah. So that I, I think like some of the policies we don't necessarily have a full grasp on. Those are the ones I think on the development side. Those are the ones that they really need to change because if those policies are the same, developers are still they're just going to come back out and keep talking about how bad how bad the policies are. Well, one thing I find interesting is that uh, Guillaume Provo- Provost, who's uh, one of the developers uh, for Compulsion Games, uh, they're doing Contrast. Uh, one of the things that he pointed out when when uh, reacting to this news is that outside the business unit responsible for signing first-party deals, there is currently, to my knowledge at least, no contact person at Microsoft for independent developers. In fact, the only person in the organization that handled those needs of independence resigned last month and in- indicated we would not henceforth have developer account managers unless we had a publisher. So it seems to me that while they're allowing for self-publishing, there is still a barrier to... I guess almost sort of like full Microsoft access. And, and it's one of those things where the more you work with Microsoft, the more they're going to be able to support you and, and promote your game, the more they'll be aware of it to even do that. And so if there's no, if there's no division or, or there's no, you know, con, you know, liaison between Microsoft and the developers, that seems to me like you're going to have a situation where people are just developing games, you know, sending it in you know, almost like putting it in an envelope and just sending it in and hoping somebody there is able to, to, you know, recognize the genius of the game and get it, you know, get it attended to properly or you know let it just wither and 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 waste away because it's not that good a game oh i mean we'll see in due time i mean all we can do is speculate is what microsoft is going to do if history repeats itself it's probably not going to be that great but you know they are making a lot of turnarounds these days and they really need to so who knows knows? i think I think we're still a long way. I mean, we saw we saw at E3 that that I mean, Sony had a whole bunch of indie developers up on stage there, all playing their games at once. And I think, well, this is a step towards Microsoft sort of becoming that chummy with the indie developers. It's a it's a long way off. Yep, very true. Uh, now, uh, the next topic we have kind of runs into uh, what we were just talking about here. I actually uh, published an editorial today talking about you know microsoft's fractured relationship with not developers but actually gamers uh and that came from the fact you know I, i'm pissed because i actually missed evo but uh i did i did get a chance to watch some highlights and one of the highlights i watched or one of the highlights i saw was of uh mad cats well it wasn't mad well your mad cats brought on one of the developers of killer instinct and uh, you know they talked about Killer Instinct. The the crowd was uh, seemed receptive, and as soon as they mentioned Xbox One Xbox One exclusive, these boos came, and it just looked uncomfortable. It really did. Did you watch the video, Nick? I did not get the chance to watch the video, but I did hear about it. Yeah, I'm gonna, you watch this video while I talk. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I won't be able to because I want to actually hear the boos. Well, yeah. I want to hear the hatred in their voices. You're not gonna be able to hear the booze. Like it starts at around 50 seconds. Like, go ahead, just just watch that real quick. You're gonna watch that part. All right, yeah, around 50 seconds. But anyway, so yeah, like it, it just looked so uncomfortable when um when uh they were getting booed and the people they were not booing Killer Instinct. They were booing the Xbox One, and that shows that Microsoft still has a lot of work to do to gain back the the confidence of the gamer because the thing is these just weren't some guys 
who were, uh, you know, who were casual gamers and may not have heard about the news that, uh, you know, Microsoft's changing these policies. These are hardcore gamers. This, this is these games. These guys are in the fighting game community, and this is like Evo. This is a major hardcore gaming event. So they all knew that Microsoft had changed these policies. There's no way they didn't know that Microsoft had changed these policies, and they still booed Microsoft in in the, in this aspect. Uh, so Microsoft still has a lot of work to do. And in, in the editorial I wrote, it was basically talking about you know a couple things they need to change. One. The price. The price has got to go. I mean, they can offer a $500 model, but they damn sure would need to offer a $400 model as well. Like, what do you think? They're going to be shaking your head, but talk to No, I'm, agree- I'm, I'm agreeing with you. It's, uh, it, it's yeah, I, th- I think at least as far as the price goes, I think it's, it's a point that's been hammered home. I, and I don't know if part of it is just that they had the misfortune of going before Sony, and, and we know Sony pretty much tailored their press conference to be like, well, this is what Microsoft said. Okay, we're going to beat them on every front. But yeah, no, they, um, you know, the price is, it's, I don't think the price is, is, is a make or break, at least from, in terms of like a fan relationship standpoint. It doesn't help though. Um, and, you know, you can argue about whether it's going to prevent them from selling out at launch because there will still be demand, presumably. But, uh, yeah, it, 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 that, I mean, I, you know, putting aside whether or not that's a, a valid price for them to be making a decent amount of money or, you know, even or making a decent loss, I should say, on the console, um, $500 is asking a lot for people to shell out. Yeah. And I said, if they did have a $500 model with the Connect built you know with the connect bundle that's one thing but dude like they really like you don't have a core model available like look at what happened with sony like that look at history like sony it's not that sony put out the 500 600 model of the ps3 and it's just the 600 model didn't sell the 500 model didn't sell either you know they had to bring the price down to 400 bucks that started to sell, and if anybody wanted the more expensive one, you know, they would get it at that point. But $500 is just too much. And at that point, like, Sony had a better jump at that point because at that point, Sony was still known, like, you know, the PS2 was was rocking, and Sony was known as a as a, as a game company. Well, not a game company, but, you know, they, they were the PlayStation was for gamers. The problem the Xbox Live is having, the Xbox Live, the Xbox One is having right now is that gamers don't think that Microsoft really cares all that much about them. That's the problem. So I think it's, it's going to have even a harder time. And the price point, really, they really need to bring that price point down just to have people consider getting it. Not saying that it's not going to sell at all, but... <laughs> but there's much technology that they're putting into the Xbox One and the Connect, and the amount of money they're spending on marketing. They need to have a lot of people buy these things. You know, they 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 really do. And you know what? It might sell out. I actually you know what? I almost guarantee it's gonna sell out at launch because they're gonna limit the quantities. You know, you limit the quantities, so it looks like people want it. I mean. It worked well for Nintendo, even though that wasn't a, uh, I don't think that was on purpose, them running out of Wii U's. You know, <laughs> just so many people just wanted that shit. I can guarantee that both Microsoft and Sony are going to be, sh- gonna be uh, short-stocking the, the, both the PS3, the PS4, and the Xbox One. Well, didn't, hasn't GameStop stopped taking pre-orders for the PS4 because they run out of they what did. their expected allotment's going to be? They did, but Amazon didn't. 
<laughs> Amazon just reopened pre-orders, but I don't think I'm gonna get a like a. I'm, I don't think I'm gonna get one of the first wave anyway. Because I'll be pissed if I get it and something's wrong with it, and then I have to wait, you know, eight, nine weeks, eight to twelve weeks just to get a new one. You know, that's what I wonder about because you're not the only person I've talked to who has said the same thing that you don't want to get one of the first generation consoles because there's always a problem with them. And we saw it in the last generation and we've kind of seen it in every generation. I think, I think the Wii is really the only, the only console that that has launched recently that had a major launch that didn't really have any explicit hardware problems. Right. And so I kind of, I almost wonder if there won't be a backlash in that regard where maybe, well, I guess probably not if, if GameStop sold out of their pre-orders and Amazon had to reopen pre-orders, then I guess there's interest. But I think there are, there's a large number of people who are not necessarily waiting for a price drop, but they're just waiting for some sort of hardware update to ensure that everything works properly. Yeah. Well, actually, my launch day Wii actually did break. Did it? It broke like three or four years after I got it, I wanted to show somebody Mega Man 10 and it wouldn't start up. What? Mega Man 9 and it wouldn't start up. That's that's not quite the nature of the issue I'm talking about. I, I know, yeah, but, but I'm just saying that it is, broke. That, it, that, that is sad, though. <laughs> Actually, out of all my consoles, my Nintendo ones have broke the most. My Super Nintendo uh, burnt out. My Nintendo 64, the power supply exploded. Nice. Um, the, uh, and then the Wii U, oh, no, sorry, the Wii it just conked out. It was like good night, and then that never turned back on. Wow, is that is that is that from use? Uh, or overuse? No, I think, I think the Wii is from underuse. To be honest with you, the sixty four, <laughs> the sixty four was probably from use. Actually, I have a black Wii out there now. I don't even know if that sucker works. Like it's not even it's not hooked up to the TV that I play video games on. I I, I can just imagine your Wii's now just sitting there like oh you never plays this we're unloved and then they're just like jumping off your little shelf that they're sitting on like <laughs> goodbye cruel world. And... Ugh, dude, so yeah, but um, if it, the price is definitely definitely something that Microsoft needs to bring down, uh, which I think they'll be fast to bring that down. I think we'll see a price drop within the first year for the Xbox One. Uh, now, the second thing I brought up was the Connect. The mandatory Connect has to go. Not only will removing the mandatory Connect drop the price, you know, and that's a that's a good thing because now gamers are not going to feel because at least I wouldn't feel like Microsoft is forcing me to buy something I don't want. You know, with the Connect, most core gamers are not using that thing unless they're parents. <laughs> you know. Nobody's using that to play their games, and the 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 extra features that it does just you know then that well now you can talk to your console uh, who gives a fuck? I have a remote control, and if I have smart glass, if it's as good as Microsoft is supposed to be, like then I can just click the controller from there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, now the biggest thing like I've mentioned this before on the podcast, I can't fit a Connect anywhere, so I like it excludes me altogether. I have no place to put a Connect. What now? What are you going to tell me to do? Buy an Xbox 360? <laughs> you know, I already have one of those. So I can't even consider. I can't even consider getting an Xbox One because I have no place to put the Connect. I'm not going to put the, the Xbox One on my TV that I don't play games on because then it won't get played. It won't get played. If I see a game for the Xbox One, the PS4, I'm going to buy it on PS4 because I can play it on the TV that I play games on. For those who don't know, all of my stuff is like all of my media stuff is pretty much in one area. So I could I literally 
turn 90 degrees from my computer and now I'm playing a console game. I'm about, I'm, I'm about that life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's how, that's how it works for me. So, um, yeah, like that, that, that I, I can't be the only person with that problem. You know, I cannot be the only person with that problem. I have no place to put a connect. You know, space is already tight in my, uh, in my, uh, entertainment center. You know, space is already tight. I would think that the expectation is you would have a place to put the Kinect if only because you'll be replacing the Kinect that you had with your Xbox 360. That is a big assumption. <laughs> that is a huge assumption. And it would be wrong. Well, in your case, it is wrong. In your case, it is wrong. For most most people, it's wrong. Ooh, I almost choked to death there. I almost had a death on the podcast. That would have been terrible. That would have been terrible. But I had to pour some out for you. <laughs> oh, but I don't know. I, I I understand your argument for why they need to get rid of the connect. And there's other issues too. There's the whole privacy issue and the whole it's listening, but it's not really listening. And you can tell it what it, you know what, what it can and can't listen to, um, kind of crap. But I think the problem is that we saw we saw them make this reversal. And really, I shouldn't. What I'm going to say is very counterintuitive. Um, but we saw them make the reversal on the always online play, where they had said. You know, these, these games are, you know, that for a developer, if you're going to develop a game, you can count on there always being the cloud. You don't have to worry about a situation where there's not the cloud for an extended period of time. And, you know, and, and then we're, we're starting to see some stuff like we talked about Forza and how, you know, some of the, the, the way that that game is evolving may have been affected by that decision. And I, I feel like they gave up on the online requirement. The Connect, especially because it was introduced in the last con- console generation, and there's not, I feel like the, the, the level of resistance to the Connect is not the same as to the always online requirement. The always online requirement flat out meant that under certain conditions you could not play your games. Um, the Connect requirement is is more of a an annoyance than than something quite so drastic. And so I feel like that this is their line in the sand, as it were. I don't see them turning that around. And it's I, I, I think they've already kind of told developers like you're, you're going to have access to these certain tools for them to be like, well, now you're also not going to have connect access. And especially the way they even pushed in the last generation. I mean, we had Mass Effect with voice commands that you could yell, uh, which on the one hand, that's cool. But on the other hand, it, it, it is a bit gratuitous. And so I think I, I think they kind of look to the connect as like that's not, that, that's their thing. That's kind of their road to the future in a way. and. I don't see them going back on that as much as as much as that would help. I mean, fundamentally, I think the connect the, the bigger issue with dropping the connect is that allows them to drop the price. And fundamentally, what they said is, we want you to have the system, we want you to have the connect, and you're going to have to pay for that. And that sort of obstinate behavior, um, you know, it, it, it harkens back to you know Adam Orff's deal with it. Um, and so that's really I I, I can see how. I think removing these, or, you know, changing some of these policies don't necessarily indicate that they're more they're they're fixing the relationship. But I can see how that might be perceived that way. But I'm not. Sh- I, I can't imagine that they're going to. I, you know, I honestly, I don't think they're going to either. I don't think they're going to remove the mandatory connect. But they really need to. Like until that thing goes, or until I get a bigger entertainment center, there there will be no Xbox One for me. And, uh, yeah, my entertainment center is doing just fine. So unless a Microsoft representative comes in here and smashes my shit, 
<laughs> like this, I'm not buying a big entertainment center. That know? would that, that that would be an interesting marketing strategy. We'll destroy your shit so you can fit our new console. Yeah, like oh, we'll 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 help. <laughs> <laughs> we'll help with your clutter. Yeah, you know now they oh now, now there's no reason for you not to get the Xbox One. Aren't you happy we came by? Yeah, not nah, not happening. So, but yeah, Connect's got to go, Microsoft. Uh, we talked about the publishing policy. Actually, the, in the article I wrote, I had wrote that the day before Microsoft made the announcement. And then I put a note. I kept it in the article uh, for reasons well, that you can read the article for. But, um, yeah, it, it's still in there, but we already talked about all that stuff. But and I also talked about they need to rebuild consumer confidence. That should be, like, a high priority. And I think they, they know that already. But they really just need to understand that they are far off from rebuilding that 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 trust i mean look at what just happened at evo uh just the mention of xbox one got their fucking uh got got a game booed or got so you know somebody booed on stage um you know but i think this is though i mean microsoft as a whole is just not doing well right now i mean they just wrote off i think was like 900 million in in uh in losses for the uh the surface tablets yeah that they hadn't sold and you know we, we had the corporate restructuring with with you know balmer sort of reshaping and trying to trying to fix everything there and even then you know they had windows 8 point come windows 8 come out and now they're trying to you know hurry out windows 8.1 to kind of fix the damage that did by removing the start button it's not um, but go ahead it's not no but it's you know, I, th- I think it's one of those things where, as, as a company, not even, this not this goes beyond just the Xbox One. I think as a company, we've just seen them sort of struggling with, you know, just what what the, what they should be doing well. They should be making great games. They should be making a great console. They should be making great computers and, and tablets. And overall, I think I think it's 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 as much as it's con- rebuild consumer confidence for the gaming community. They need to do this across the board. This is very true. Um, that's I think that's why they have that major restructure, uh, with you know throughout the entire company, and they they move some heads around to try to I guess I don't know shake things up and rebuild consumer confidence. We haven't seen anything come from that yet, but then again, it just happened last week, so we'll see. Uh, but in terms of gaming, Microsoft, they at this point like they they jumped the gun on some things. Like I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to push gamers into digital distribution. It works out better for Microsoft. Honestly, it does work out for gamers as long as you have the policies correct. Uh, but they jumped the gun and just tried to force their way into it. Like, oh, take this. We know you're going to take it. So just take it. Like, there's nothing you can do about it. You know? And, you know, people are like, well, no, it's my money. I'm not going to take it. And, and now they're in a position where they actually got, now their plans for digital distribution are getting pushed back. If anybody's going to lead the way into digital distribution, I think it's going to be Sony at this point. Because people actually trust Sony for now, <laughs> you know. Funny, the company that you know lost all of your data, you know, all, not even two years ago. Everybody's like, you know, going and rooting for them now. But um, yeah, so, so Microsoft they cannot afford any anti-gamer policies. They cannot bring any policies that would stop gamers from enjoying games the way they are now. Even if that means killing advancements like sharing games with your friends, they can't ignore gamers. Like anytime there's a problem, they have to react to it now favorably favorably they have to react to it favorably almost you know which is that's a that's a tough position to be in um they need to make sure they have a strong game lineup which it looks like they do at least for the first year but they have to keep it going 
They have to work with any developers. They have to, you know, they have to change games for uh, games for gold because games for gold sucks. Like the first two game, the first like two rounds of it, like have been trash. They need to match PS Plus now, not soon. Now they need to they need to rebuild consumer confidence. It's going to take time. Even when they start doing the right thing, it's going to take time, a long time, them doing the right thing. I look how long it took for Sony to repair its relationship with gamers. People just started liking PlayStation again, like for the last, like I don't know, two a year or two. But is it? Is it? I mean, I mean, Sony did a lot right to to repair the relationship after the hacks. But is it really that Sony did so much right, or they just kind of let Microsoft completely screw up, and <laughs> That's they helping. didn't? And it's really, it's, I don't think it's necessarily. I, I kind of want to say that gamers are fickle, but I don't think that's necessarily the case. The problem is when you've only got. At this point, it's really a two-dog race, and it's easy. It's easier for one dog to, to to screw up and drop the lead than it is for another dog to actually work and earn the lead back. I think as much as Microsoft can do, they're going to be the they're going to be the underdog until Sony gets hacked again or they do in, implement some kind of stupid policy. And it may take a generation. I mean. You know, at the time that the, the 360 and the PS3 were being launched, we were in the exact opposite boat with, you know, Sony having allegations of, you know, of, of implementing insane DRM schemes on the on the consoles that they had to come out and repudiate. And, you know, they had the higher priced console. I mean, I actually found a thread on, on, a, on a message board from the PS3 launch. And reading the comments on there, if you didn't know it was about the PS3, you would have thought it was about the Xbox One that the reactions to those launches were were eerily eerily similar and so i think i think it, it's 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 microsoft needs to get them get their house in order and they need they need to keep everything in order so that when sony makes that mistake then they can assume the lead yeah because actually you're perfectly right uh actually at the end of the article i talked about you know during back in 2006 like we were championing microsoft as the as being for gamers they, uh, you know, Sony was fucking up. They, the, the console was too high. They weren't listening to gamers, while Microsoft, on the flip side, was creating a strong network backbone, strong network services, things that actually improved the console experience without fucking gamers over. And, uh, you know, that's because they were underdog. And now, even though, technically speaking, they're not on top of Sony, because Sony outsold them worldwide, but... um. And, you know, they're not the underdog for the most part in, in I'm not going to say important markets like the United States, but like, you know, in, in big markets, like, you know, even, even, even Japanese developers are considering, you know, the Western markets to be very, very important. And so like, you know, in the United States, Microsoft is king or was king. And now Sony has a chance to take that back. So I think Microsoft is this, it's like, it's almost a repeat of the last console launches but now Microsoft is the one that has the big hit. And once yeah. again, the gaming community is showing that that's not going to fly. You know, it's, it's interesting to look at one aspect. And one of the things that we talked about with Microsoft doing so well at the end of the Xbox generation going into the Xbox 360 was the implementation of Xbox Live. And to look at how, like, the PSN... I mean, the PSN when the PS3 launched was very bare bones, and I don't, I don't, I don't recall there being a lot of love for it. And to look at how Sony developed that feature, you know, over the course of the PS3's life cycle, you know, introducing the PS Plus concept, and really, I love it. 
I, I you know, I, I said it before. I wrote an article about it. I love PS Plus and all the games they put on there. Um, Sony has firmly won me into their camp with the service they provide for that, and. I think it's just impressive to look at how Sony was able to sort of, come, you know, come from behind just in that regard alone to the point that now PS Plus is better than Xbox Live. And yeah. It's, I think if there's one thing it shows is that you can have a disastrous launch, you can struggle at the beginning, and you can, you know, it doesn't mean doom and gloom for the console. You can overcome that and, you know, rise again by the end of the, by the end of the life cycle. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, hopefully, I would love for Microsoft to come out of this, I'm not going to say unscathed, but be able to come out of this period because we need the competition. You know, we don't need Sony getting a big head again because you never know, like, seven years of this, and now and now Sony forgets what happened. <laughs> you know, well, there's new executives in place like, oh, fuck it, they'll buy our shit. You know? Well, you know, I almost wonder if it's not the kind of situation where the underdog and I'm using that term loosely, the underdog is always the one who's for gamers because they need to play that card. Whereas the people that are in the lead, they can stop worrying about gamers and just start looking at money. And they get used to looking at the money and they think, what can we do to keep riding this wave of money? And so as much as either of these companies may claim to be about gamers, they both are ultimately about money. And it just so happens that when you're when you're struggling to come from behind, playing the we're for gamers card and then actually adhering to that, works best i mean and, and part, part of that is marketing but part of that is that you know if you have the best service and if you actually you know connect with your customers the best and provide them the, the best games and the, and the best consoles then yes people will people will give you their money they will gladly tell you to take their money please and i think it, when you get in the lead and, and start focusing on all the, all the money that's coming in you can lose sight of that fact yeah and I, I definitely think that's that's Obviously, is what's happened with Microsoft, but we'll see. I mean, they still have some time before they launch. We'll see exactly what they do. Uh, let's move on to our last topic, which is, uh, you know, a question people have been asking because apparently, you know, it's about the Oya. People have been, because the Oya has been selling off of store shelves, it's actually pretty difficult to get one at this point. Uh, you know, Oya as a company is doing good, but what about the developers? Well, some numbers came down about the money they've been making on their games, and it's actually not looking too good. So let's look at this. Raven Sword, Sh- uh, Ra- Raven Sword Shadowlands, $100 to $200 per day since launch, which, depending on what type of job you have, that's actually not that bad. <laughs> you know? <laughs> 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 that's not that bad. Um, Inferno Plus and Ballistic, uh... 320, uh, oh, sorry, 3,243 free downloads, 111 sales in the first six days. That's about a 3.42 uh, conversion rate. Uh, wind up night, 15,000 free downloads, when about 1,500 sales, so 1% purchase rate. Um, $726.88 after Oya's cut. Nightmare Tower, which is the one that's supposed to be doing the best at this point. Uh, 50,000 free downloads, 2,100 purchases, 4.28% uh, conversion rate, $6,000 in developer revenue. I, I thought it was Towerfall that was doing the best. That was supposed to be the biggest game, I thought. Actually, I think I think you're right about that. I think Towerfall, but the, the, the numbers aren't really here. Um, well, let's say, like for, here's another Nimble Quest. Oh, sorry, 6,500 uh, 6, downloads. Uh, and 122 purchases, bringing in $428 in profit, 
uh, let's see, Dub Wars didn't even mention how much he made, but he's he only 0.8 conversion rate. Um, Bomb Ball, 0.6 conversion rate. Like, this is very, very low. Um, oh, Nick just pulled up some stats. Towerfall says the game has sold 2,000 copies, uh, even though it's $15. That's not too maybe, bad. Maybe. I don't know, like, maybe it's sold 2,000 copies because it is $15. So you're saying people, you think people are willing to pay because the price implies quality? I I think so, because think about it. Like, think of how many, like, actually, perfect example, where is that game I was just looking at? I was just looking at a game on Steam, and, and you could say whatever bad things you want to about me uh, if I can find this game so I can see it. There was a game that I was looking on, on, my, on the list for Steam. Here we go, Alien Spidey. Okay, um, Alien Spidey, and actually, actually now, now I see it's DLC. But at first, when I first looked at it, I thought it was a game. Alien Spidey, I'm like, oh, the game looks pretty good, but it's a two, it's two dollars. Eh, I'll, I'll I'll get it later. <laughs> you know, that's that's what I thought in my head. I'll get it later. It's two dollars. Are, are you gonna wait for the winter sale when it's one dollar? No, but I'm not waiting for it to get on sale. I'm just like, you know what? I have a bunch of other games. It's two bucks. I'll wait. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, I'll wait to pick it up another time. Because when is when is your backlog stopped you before? Exactly. But, but the thing is, like you know, if it, let's say it was like, let's say I, it was a twenty dollar game and I saw it for fifteen, I'd snatch it up. But it's a funny thing, because even like even during the Steam sales, there were some games that were like five bucks that were like dirt cheap for like a dollar or two dollars. I still didn't pick those up. So I think that may be an issue, not an issue, but a factor here. That well, may be a factor that they 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 see if. You see a $15 game and a sea of $5 games. It stands out. Well, I, th- I think it's a combination there, though, because Towerfall did have some hype prior to launch. That was the one game that I had personally heard of on the Ouya. Right. Uh, well, actually, I'd heard of a few others, but that, that was – I'd actually seen that show up in some, some major media outlets as being mentioned as sort of the one – the closest thing to a killer app that the, the Ouya had. And so – it doesn't surprise me that if the game had the $15 and it was getting some respectable media attention, uh, that there would be a market for that. And I, th- I think you're entirely right, though, too, is that especially from, for a co- – I mean, as much as we, we say people on the Ouya are looking to be cheap, I think people who get the Ouya, they're either looking to spend absolutely nothing on their games because they know they can get away with it and they know they can emulate and they know they can do all kinds of other stuff, or they're they're just looking for cheap games, but they know that – you, you you can't you're not going to price you're not going to price a crappy game for fifteen dollars or if you are, it's going to get it's going to get destroyed pretty quickly and I think I think Towerfall seems to justify its price and so it gets good word of mouth and it justifies you know it justifies its price at that that point and people are willing to go for it I don't think I mean what was it we saw uh, didn't Square put I think it was Final Fantasy three on iOS devices for fifteen dollars and that got a reaction of bloody murder because $15 for an iOS app, that's a bit pricey. I think that market tends to focus, that market tends to run cheaper. And I would, I would think the Android market, which is, I guess a sub become or of which the Ouya market is a subset in a way. I think that might also have that same mentality, but because it's, because this is a console and not a phone, you're not looking at the same sort of app store mentality. I think that this, that, that speaks to that also too, I mean, there is still a, a, a downloadable con- uh, or a part of part of Towerfall you do have to download for free. I think every Ouya game has a free to download component, 
And so it could well be that people are downloading their components saying, you know, what? I can see this game is worth $15 and I have no problem throwing that out there. And so that might also be a credit to, uh, that might be a credit to Matt Thorson as well. Very true. I'm curious if, you know, maybe, maybe it's, you know, we might need to see some additional games at that price point and see what happens. So we have something to compare it to because it is unusual price. At least with that price, it would prompt me to download a demo. Yeah. At the very least. So, yeah. and, and, and then if it's a game, maybe that's the problem. Maybe because there's so many games out there, which demos do I download? You know, and if I see a demo of a game that I like, eh, I'll check it out. You know, I'll buy it, especially if it's cheap. Yeah. That's, yeah, I, I think overall there's, I think in general, I think, you know, we were talking about this before, sort of with the Microsoft indie games, is that you get a market and it's hard to, it's hard to separate the wheat from the chaff. And when everything's available for download and you have to download it before you can even pay for it, it can be, you know, it makes, it makes sense too. I mean, you're, you're talking about a lot of these games with a low conversion rate, but how many, how many instances were these where people downloaded the game and they said, you know what, I'm just not interested in this game. It's not for me, you know, and I'm not, you know, that's not to say anything bad about Raven sword or, or, or uh, wind up night or nightmare tower. But just simply, just simply that there's a lot of people on the the Ouya, you know, they may even well just be looking for their Mario games, trying to find out where those are, and they're downloading these in the interim because they can't find them yet. Very I mean, true. So it's, you know, or even then, you know, because the console being, you know, the console being as cheap as it is, you get people who are just like, you know, what? I'm fine just downloading the free stuff. I'm not, I'm not looking to pay for anything. I don't have to. And and so they load it up with free stuff, let their kids play it all day, and they're good to go. Right. I mean, there's a chance that the developers uh, are just need to find, you know, they need to find how to sell on the Wii. They haven't figured that part out yet. You know, yeah. there there's just a, a very good chance that they they need to find out, you know, what's the best way to to sell on the Wii. And this is just a part of that discovery process. But well, for right now, I'm sorry, go ahead. As I say, that goes hand in hand with what we talked about last week about the Ouya not having really a, a fundamental in, in an in-console store. They don't have a unified storefront to kind of put everything together. That is actually very true, too. You're, you are 100% right about that. That is that is very, very true. So, I mean, over time, this may not be an issue. Um, they'll try different things. I wouldn't write the Ouya off yet. But right now, developer is not looking. I don't think it's looking too attractive for developers. They just need they just need one game to be a hit, just one, and that'll that'll get everybody else developing for it, and that'll that'll keep people going. I mean, even then, they find, they don't almost need that because you know the, the it's not like they're they made the Ouya because they're a developer. They just made the Ouya to make the Ouya, and they said everybody else come and do what you want with this thing. So if if nobody makes any money making games for this. It's you know I mean it, it's going to discourage people from developing for the Ouya too, but at the end of the day they can still do another Kickstarter, they can still release it for a hundred dollars, they can keep coming out with Ouyas until you know until the end of time, and as long as people are as long as especially again you know again this goes back to the, what we're talking about with the Microsoft uh, the indie games is as long as the barrier to entry is low enough for people to throw games on there and say hey I'm going to make my game it's going to be the best thing ever and it's going to make millions of dollars on the Ouya. People are going to keep throwing stuff on there until it hits. 
Yeah. Somebody's going to try, and then somebody's going to make that big hit, and then it will blow up. Maybe. Hopefully. We'll see if they actually do it. But right now, I can't imagine that's looking too attractive to developers. You know, you could make a game and just make it for PC. You have a better chance to sell it on Steam than you do on the OEA. If you're talking about controls, you know. If you make a mobile game, that's, you know, that's, that's a different story. So, who knows? Uh, but we'll see. You know, with time, we will see. You know, I just, I just want to say one thing real quickly. That will be when the Steam box finally does emerge from the cloud of mist that it's hidden in. That will be interesting. Assuming it's at all a decent price point and not overpriced like the piston, but that'll be a system where there's already a viable marketplace that exists. The marketplace existed before the console, and so when the Steam box actually hits, to, to see if that becomes a viable alternative to the Ouya, where the Ouya is kind of like, you know, the amateur hour, but no, the pros all go to the Steam box. That might be different, but we have to we have to get there yet. I think Ouya needs to catch traction before the Steam box gets out the gate. To be honest with you. Yep. But, uh, we'll see. Well, yeah, let's see what's coming out. That's going to end our topics. Let's see what's coming out. We're still in the dry period, but we're getting closer to 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 good games. Um, I think good games aren't coming out. Like like, um, there's a game called Castle Storm coming out. You know, very soon Monday might have a review for that. Might not. Who knows? I don't know. What, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we have. Yeah, Pikmin Three is coming out soon. Uh, but yeah, other than that, like, like the real the real games that people are really waiting for are coming out like around the twentieth of June. Saints Row Four, Splinter Cell Blacklist, XCOM Declassified, or the Bureau of XCOM Declassified, all on the same day. Three go into the ring. One comes out. Like it's one. It's one of those situations. <laughs> you know that 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 is pretty shitty that we have these months of effectively open space. And no, we're gonna put the games all out on the same day. I know, right? Like all three games, the Bureau of XCOM, are they all? Yeah, actually, those are all three different. Uh, wow, those are three different like major publishers too. Uh, XCOM <sighs> Declassified is 2K, uh, Blacklist is Ubisoft, and Saints Row is uh, Deep Silver. The loser here, I'm gonna say, is gonna be Splinter Cell. No, the loser is all of them. <laughs> Why? Because dive kick. Yes. <laughs> dive kick comes dive out. Kick. Dive kick comes out of the twentieth. Yes, that game will destroy everything with a diving kick. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, so you know, I, I, besides I feel, the obvious winner of dive kick, I, I, just do, want, I feel bad. I feel bad for everybody who hasn't had the chance to even at least see the game. Look up the game on YouTube. I'm sure there's got to be little clips of it being played somewhere. Because it is, it's it's jumping and kicking, and it's it's it so hilarious. simple yet so amazing. Yeah, it had a huge crowd at PAX. It did it a did. huge crowd at PAX, oh. and it's just not as simple as you would think it would be. It's not as simple as you think it would be. I would love to see somebody write up a study. I, I, first of all, I'd love to see Dive Kick become an esport. <laughs> yeah, Evo, right? Dive kick tournament. I'd like to see somebody write up about how the intricacies of the dive kick gameplay show how that these people are taking the develop the the, the, the ideas the developers had to the to the maximum possible level <laughs> with its competitive nature. 
Yeah, somebody named Andrew, right? Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah. Actually, at first, I was like, well, you know, XCOM is probably going to be on the losing end of that. But I honestly think Splinter Cell is going to be on the losing end of that because XCOM is getting a lot of good press right now. Um, Splinter Cell, you know, it's, it's going to be going off of its name for the most part, I think. And, you know, Saints Row, like, people were blown away with Saints Row 3. I think everybody wrote an amazing preview of Saints Row 4 over the 4th of July. It's a lot of, I think that's going to be the winner out of, out, out of those three, to be honest with you. When you did the, the, um, when you, when you, cause you, you played the, uh, the review copy, right? I played the preview copy. Preview yeah. copy. Did you get to play with the dubstep gun? No, I wanted oh. to. Know. I did not get a chance to play with the dubstep gun. The preview only lasted for about two hours, two hours and some change. And then ended up with you naked in a spaceship. Uh, trying to escape while the spaceship was blasting what is love. That's that was... how all my MASHcast recordings end up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, actually, I don't even know why I'm laughing at that. That's kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, but yeah, Saints Row 4 is going to be good. Uh, the Bureau, it looks like that's going to be good as well. And it's fun as so it looks like it's going to be good. I'll be buying all three. So I'm not, I, I'll be supporting three three major publishers that day. What is that? What is that, like $180 in games? Balling! No, I'm just joking, but, but I will be buying all three. Because um, that review copy for Saints Row 4 is probably going to go to Joel Couture. As long as his computer is working properly. Because I'm going to buy like, the special edition so I get the American Eagle uh, jet. <laughs> so you're saying if something happens to Joel's computer, someone else might get the review copy. That is 100% true. Maybe, maybe we'll see what happens. You gonna make Joel, a trip to Canada, Joel? Hey. If you're listening, I'm so, I'm so sorry to hear about what's about to happen to your computer. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. But um, yeah, I think that's gonna end the Mashcast for us tonight. Uh, as always, thanks for listening. You can catch us on SoundCloud, which is SoundCloud.com/slash Mash Those Buttons. You can catch us on uh, iTunes as well. Or for if you want to have your devices, uh, you know your Android. No, sorry, your Android, but your iPhones or your iPads automatically download our stuff on iTunes. Uh, we're also on Stitcher Smart Radio uh, for your Android and iOS devices for streaming or download. Uh, we are on Facebook, which is Facebook.com/slash those uh, not slash those buttons. <laughs> That's a new site. Slash those buttons dot com. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook.com slash mash those buttons. We are on uh twitter.com slash MTB site. And we are also on youtube.com slash mash those buttons. So like I said, thank you for listening, and we will catch you guys next week. You're a terrible person, Nick. <laughs> terrible person. Have a good weekend, everybody. <laughs> Later, guys. <laughs>